Hey guys, and welcome to episode 29 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, welcome to episode 29 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Hope you're all doing well this week. Um, so had some great feedback on last week's episode with Rob and Josh from the, from the Unit Fitness. Uh, anyone who's in Cambridge or around that area, um, definitely check them out. They've got a great facility there and it was real good fun being on their podcast and answering lots of questions and, and just giving my perspective on, on things because I know it's really... It's really good fun to get guests on here, but there's lots that we, um, we and obviously there's lots that we cover, and um, but no, but sometimes it's good for you guys to hear um, some some of my stuff, and that's why I've been putting out a few more episodes where I'll be covering covering um, some topics myself. I'm definitely going to be going into into the brain set side of things with you guys sometime soon as well. Um, also, guys, I just want to mention I've been getting some brilliant, um, brilliant feedback from our free four-day gut revival mini course and if you want in on that then send me an email to ryan at reviveyourself.co but by now hopefully the um it's all up on our site as well if you go to www.reviveyourself.co on our homepage, you should be able to get access to it there if not just send me an email um but yeah been getting some great feedback on that people are loving it and if you've got a chronic issue such as a gut issue ibs Crohn's, celiac if you've got uh, skin issues if you've got a thyroid problem adrenal fatigue chronic fatigue whatever it may be if it's a chronic issue that's kept you there arthritis for example um then this course is really going to help you understand what you need to do to to get yourself back in balance and to correct these issues and to really heal yourself internally so you can start living life on your terms again um also guys as i said before um we are at revive underscore yourself on instagram um, we are at, on Facebook forward slash Revive Natural Health, um, so you can find us there too. And um, yeah, it's been we've been getting some great feedback. And uh, thanks so much for got almost we're building on our followers all the time on Facebook and on Instagram, and been getting some great feedback about the episodes here. So anyway, guys, today's episode is with Derek Woodski. Now, I first met Derek back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, when he was working for the Polyquin Group, which is a strength and conditioning. Uh, company um, when I was doing personal training and um, Derek is a I mean he's a phenomenal guy he's so knowledgeable when it comes to human performance it's a topic that I've, I keep um, I don't really say I'm health and fitness because the fitness industry generally is full of these days a lot of charlatans just uh, a lot of marketing schemes and a lot of it um, if you don't know where you're looking, it's, it's, just, it's just gimmicky and it's just rubbish. I mean, there are some phenomenal people out there doing some great work and I can point you in the direction if you if you need 
need me too but there's also a lot of people out there just selling snake oil the same as there is in the health industry and it just becomes really really tedious and I don't like to align myself with the fitness industry as well because on the supplement side of things a lot of them do it if it fits your macros which it just gives you people chronic issues no matter what they say and they're also drinking lots of protein shakes that are just hugely toxic for the body uh, isolates cheap cheaply manufactured things um, products um, things like ZMA it's all synthetic a lot of it's derived from coal tar in there and um, other chemicals um, and all of it is hugely toxic to, toxifying to the human, human body um, and along with gut issues comes a whole host of other symptoms and issues down the line that once you start digging into that um, along with, with their sports drinks and monsters and caffeine and Red Bull and the list is endless, I'd go into it for days but anyway that's why I keep away from it generally but when you've got someone uh, of the knowledge level of Derek uh, that you can tap into then then you've got, got to do it in my in my opinion um, Derek is a, a former athlete himself he used to throw the hammer for Canada and he's got national records and broke national records in that um, he's also after his career as an athlete I mean he went through a tremendous injury as well which had to rehab which is something that uh, builds character and, and, and will allow you to listen to his story on that as well and then he went in and he actually started to coach in the NFL so he's been around professional amateur um, sport as an athlete and as a coach he then moved into into the um, private sector when he was doing personal training and teaching for Polyquin Group and now he has his own website um, at ecobolic.com where he helps people uh, clients all over the world in in training for either athletes training for serious events he's got olympic athletes and he also helps this just um your normal guys and girls themselves get in the best shape for them for them whatever they want their life train for life or if they're weekend warriors prepare for their sport whatever it may be um but he's a very very knowledgeable guy and he's someone that we're very lucky to have and i keep on saying the word very so i apologize for that but um, we touch on um, lots of different topics around human performance, around athletes, around rest and recovery. We even go into PEDs, performance enhancing drugs and drug use. We touch on CrossFit because that's such a popular sport these days um, and industry. The good, the bad, the ugly of CrossFit. And um, we go into a lot more as well. So without further ado, guys, here he is, the man himself, Derek Woodski. Um, enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. Hey guys and welcome to episode 29 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Today, as always, we're really lucky to have a great guest, someone who I first met, I oh, think it might have been back in 2008, maybe 2009, when I was um, personal training and went down to do a polyquin course in Bournemouth, I think it was, and I had the pleasure of being in this, this gentleman's company for five days. Um, he's one of the characters left in the fitness industry and um, his name is Derek Woodski. How are you going today, Derek? Great. Fantastic for having me on your show. I appreciate it uh, a huge amount. It's nice to catch back up. Yeah, I would say it's probably been at least that long. Um, it definitely, it's definitely been seven years. Oh, has it? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah 2008, 2009, probably about right then. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it has gone pretty quick, but I always remember there's, as I was talking about before, in the um, in the health and fitness industry. See, I'm generally at health. I try and stay away with a lot of the fitness stuff because a lot of it, it's just, it's just a lot of rubbish. A lot of, a lot of what's put out there nowadays is just marketing um, in the fitness industry. Yes. Especially when I deal with nutrition and I, the way we deal with people, we're dealing with a lot of people with chronic issues, etc. But 
Uh, Derek's one of the people out there who's a bit like me, not afraid to speak his mind, and he cuts through a lot of the crap, or the bullshit, for want of a better word. And um, it's something that I remember him talking about a lot of things. And because you've been around um, both the professional and the amateur side of athletics, uh, as well as competed yourself, you're someone that everyone, I think, needs to listen to. Um, and so at the time, yeah, no, no worries. At the time, you were you were teaching for uh, the Poliquin group, Um but just just for the audience, just give a little introduction. Probably something you've done so many times, you're probably bored to death of hearing it yourself. But just for for the audience, just give a little introduction into into you, your background, and and what you're doing now, really. Sure. Well, I'll definitely give the Reader's Digest version. It's uh, myself. I started my athletic career in a small town of British Columbia, Canada, and I developed enough. Even though I came from a very isolated background. You know, I grew up in a town of about 250 people in the in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. And somehow, through a lot of hard work and a lot of, uh, you know, opportunity where luck was the product of preparation and timing, I was able to get scholarships eventually to the United States. And then when I got to the United States, I was able to pursue an athletic career through the U.S. collegiate system, which is an amazing athletic development program for all sports. Um, you know, we see a lot of it with NCAA football and stuff on television in the United States. And we sort of get an idea of how big that industry is. And and it's massive, even for sports like track and field, which I did. Um, the money's big, the schools are big, the travel's awesome. The opportunities are fantastic typically. Um, so I was able to develop in that system and I had a lot of success along with that success. I also had a lot of setbacks. Um, I had career ending injury that I was able to overcome during that time, or as they say, it was a career ending injury for me. It was more of just a setback that took, you know, the ability to learn how to walk again in a year of my life. But those are also experiences that helped shaped my athletic career. So even though I had the success and I had the national championships, et cetera, in track and field and eventually move on to Team Canada. I also had some pretty defining uh, situations occur to me athletically that helped sort of spawn my desire to become a little more knowledgeable about the strength and conditioning side of it. And so for me, I was always somebody that lifted weights. I was very active. I really liked the, the idea of physical culture. But... It wasn't until I had, you know, the the real big injury in 2000 and then 2001 coming back from that, that I had no choice but to become a student of the science of strength and conditioning. Up until that point, I was just a guy that followed his coach's orders, uh, which costed the injury in the first place. But I just followed a lot of orders and I did a lot of hard work, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge. And so that put me on the path of becoming educated. Um, That path led me to my own rehabilitation, which got me more opportunities in the States, started competing again, started connecting with people like Judd Logan, who I trained with as one of his athletes post-collegiately or after I was done university studies. And I did that professionally for about three years. Um, And that opened up more doors because now as I was in a higher level of competition around higher level people that got me into situations where I could become a coach at the NCAAs for track and field, which led to a coaching job in the NFL in 2007, which inevitably led to me getting picked up by the Poliquin group to lecture for them for a few years before I got into my current 
gig now. And for the last four years, which would be four years, January, I've actually gone back to full-time coaching, but with a specific clientele, specific athletes. Um, I have one full-time client athlete that I work with uh, in the Middle East, but I also coached a couple athletes through an Olympic cycle for track and field privately this past four-year four period. Awesome. And um, well, there's a lot of things you mentioned there that we're going to touch on. Um, just just quickly, how'd they get on, you athletes? Yeah, not too bad. I had a uh, Kurt Roberts did really well. Um, we, we had a couple injuries in his four-year cycle, but he competed in two indoor worlds, uh, was an outdoor U.S. national champion, and was a Diamond League event champion, as well as, uh, I think, top five in the world performer. Is he a hammer thrower, Derek? He's actually a shot putter from the United States. Okay. Um so in the field events as well, uh, he did really well. We had a bit of a an unexpected training accident uh, the year prior to the last Olympics, which was a little frustrating because it, you know, it's the thing that no one ever thinks about with these long-term programming, and it's something we can probably get into. But it's the biggest difference between when we look at the fitness industry and the coaching industry. Now there's pluses and minuses of both, but one of the big uh, discrepancies that we see in the fitness industry, like Wolf spoke about previous, a lot of success is based on marketing, not knowledge or measurable result. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. It's not going to change. It's not like we can come in here with a, a big broom and clean up the mess and make everybody in the fitness industry adhere to these new standards. <laughs> Um, yeah. it would be nice if we could, but the reality is, is they don't want to change and partially they don't have to change because of the fact that the revolving door of the fitness industry, if you're lucky, you have a client for 18 months max in their entire existence on this planet. So you're not going to see a lot of that long-term programming. Whereas in the athletic world, <clears throat> for better or worse, what ends up happening is that you get committed to that person and... So when you have something like drop foot occur because of a, a severely damaged disc in the back and you have like 12 months before the start of the Olympic season, there's no backing out of that situation. So you have to become very creative and you have to get very um, specific and very on top of your programming. You can't write your programming in the car on the way to the gym because you know that the goal is going to be sweating for the day. You know, you're starting, you know, and that's, yeah, it's that's harsh, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, harsh but true, right? So, um, so you know that when you get into those situations, you really have to have a much broader toolbox of knowledge. But the problem that you find in that side of the industry is no one ever fully realizes how big a lot of these coaches' toolboxes are or how good a coaches they are. Because let's face it, if you're coaching a shot putter, even a, a, a guy as high level as Kurt Roberts was for myself, what does the fitness industry on social media know about that? Not a lot, nor do they care because they're not tangible things to them that they can wrap their mind around. You know, Kurt's a, a monstrous human. You know, he's... Uh, in, in feet and pounds, he's, you know, six, four, 300 pounds, or he's, uh, you know, a meter 95, uh, 140 kilos, you know, so he's a huge human being, but at the end of the day, uh, he's not going to be on the cover of flex magazine this month, right? He's a completely different animal. And because of that, people don't 
attach an understanding to it very well in our industry of how complicated it is to coach those guys. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. And it's something what you, you mentioned there as well. It's, well, it's just because in most people working with people who have a job, it's in the, in, in the um, public sector or private sector, whatever way you actually want to word it, people work with personal training clients, etc. Majority of them, it's just to look better generally. Uh, yeah. And even a lot of the time, they don't even get to the point of making them feel better. Because they're so jacked up, Ooh. yeah, so jacked up on stimulants, so jacked up on maybe anti-inflammatories. Lots of times, this is where, this is why I know I'm going to have clients for life because yes. not, not only are people eating all the wrong things, but then they're also being sent to people like this, and they're hugely inflamed, and it just, it's a nightmare. But something you said there, having been in the sporting industry myself, professional side, um, I'm been in, in in lucky to be around Gloucester rugby and Crusaders rugby, etc. But with Ashley Jones. Um, know how how good coaches can be i also been around some terrible coaches and one of the things you said there uh in your little bio was you followed orders and it led to you getting an injury um yes. and this is where a lot of coaches i feel they it's like it's like um i always say to my clients although we've got a process there's no standard standard so we've got a structure there's no standard process because there's no standard human being when a standard human being walks through the door then we can, I can just start giving out programs, but it doesn't work that way. So when a programmer says you've got to deadlift this on a, on a Monday or whatever you've got to do on a Tuesday, Wednesday, you come in and go, coach, I'm really tired. I don't feel mm. great, etc. And they go, well, on the program, it says you're doing this today. Right. Um, and, and one of the things that my problem is with, not prob- well, problem, one of the things I observe, and especially in America, because they've got such a depth of, pe- of people they can choose from, a lot of their programs yes. is just, you know what? We're just going to smash people until only the last one or two are standing, and they're going to be the ones that we're going to play. Um, and a lot of, I've even heard, I think, you, yourself say quite a few times, um, Paul Checks mentioned it quite a few times, even Pollockery and a lot of other coaches. Judd has even said a lot of the athletes actually make it in spite of their programs. Um, yeah, because, it's because they're just smashed to bits rather than saying, you know what? Well, because as you said, if, you, if you're one coach, you're dealing with 25 athletes maybe. You haven't got that time to work with people individually. So someone like who's who, very clever people, or clever people, people who invest in a, an individual coach, probably going to be doing themselves a huge favour because they actually get to listen to them and their body. Was that something you, you probably agree with? Yes, I think that's fairly accurate, and I believe that one of the the faults of the professional coaching side, until you get to the sporting level where you have guaranteed contracts. Because then the player super exceeds the coach and the coach gets fired before the player will ever get released. So in the NFL, for example, being a strength coach in the NFL has a a very vulnerable uh, shelf life, Mm -hmm. you know, and and God forbid you, you injure somebody coaching in the NFL because you'll be out the door the next day, typically, um, especially if it's your fault. But below that, especially through the NCAAs, Olympic sports, basically sports where the athlete doesn't always have the financial leg up on the administration or the coaching staff, in those sports, you have a tendency to see a lot of situations where the athlete is so desperate for success or so desperate for a program that they will adhere to whoever they're with and the coach will use like an attrition rate to basically get the cream to rise to the top. You know, so we used to call it the crocodile principle uh, within our programs because we had a very successful program in college, but we had a lot of injuries. And we used to say that those that made it through 
injury free and still had success were like crocodiles because they were able to make it through extinction, right? Mm -hmm. They had that rare ability to withstand horrible circumstance. Um, and, and that's a frustrating thing for me because I, I, as an athlete, having gone through it, I know what it's like to have horrible coaches and I know what it's like to have phenomenal coaches. Yeah. And going back in retrospect, there's no way for me to have known because I was a better soldier than a, than a question asker at that point in my life. Um, so if I could go back to those times, my tolerance for the bullshit that a lot of these coaches um, implement would be a lot lower yeah. because they are jeopardizing your one shot. Yeah. So, and that's the thing that people don't realize. Like I get my shit together tomorrow or I get my shit together at 65. I could probably still find my abs if I adhere to a good program of nutrition and sleep and rest and things like this. I don't even have to squat 500 pounds to achieve that. I just have to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Sports is not the same. So when someone manipulates that one moment in time and and fucks you up over it, that that window closes. I'll never have another chance for that sporting moment. Sports are a young man's game. They're a very finite game. They're a game that requires a lot of specific skills and development. It's not something <clears throat> that can be really manipulated late into life. So when a coach uh, damages that moment for you, that moment's gone forever. And, uh, and that's something that I'm really, really hard on now as a veteran coach is my tolerance for, uh, these other types of coaches that don't have any concern about the welfare of an athlete, man, that, that, that's a, that's a sore subject for me for sure. Um, now with that being said, you did mention something that is quite unique. The fact that when you look at cohesive programming where not everybody's the same, it's hard to, so you get into a situation where, for example, you'll get a lot of coaches that they immediately just go with very base flat number training pre protocols. So there'll be like flat loading sets and reps. Everybody's doing 70%. There's no variation. Athlete A through Z is all doing the exact same piece of paper. Now to a degree, you can group uh, body types. And, and so like, so in a sport like American football, all your big guys can be together. All your big guys can sort of do the same program. All your wideouts can do the same program. All your quarterbacks can do the same program. So that's fine because there's going to be similarities in somatotype structuring and how those people function in the weight room. And then you make variations based on those people. However, the one thing that I found in my own experience as a coach and what I discovered when I was starting to program is there still needs to be a little bit of leeway in terms of each individual athlete's perceived energy level on the day. And that's a, that's a huge factor because I know from my own experience, a lot of my injuries perhaps could have been prevented if I had have had some gray areas. So say, for example, instead of coming in and knowing that the whole team had to do five sets of five uh, at 75% in the deadlift, hypothetically, um, what if that program had a simply been written 
five sets of four to six with a percentage range that correlated to the repetitions every day. So you could be as high as 80, but as low as 72. You could pick and choose the repetitions. The total cumulative volume at the end of the cycle is still roughly the same. You're still going to get stronger. And so that's what I started to do when I started programming myself. And then for athletes years later, is the biggest reason I started to put in, say, fluctuating repetition variables on the majority of my workouts and fluctuating percentages every single day for every single exercise outside of my core lift Olympic lifts was the fact that I knew that I was going to have an athlete that, that could come in and if they're fresh, they're going to smash the highest percentage for the highest reps on the day. And that, that's your A performance from your A recovered guy and you're, you're like fantastic. But if I have the, a guy come in and or a girl come in, they're not feeling great and say the workout, the A workout would have been five fives at, you know, 77%, but I give them a window where they could get away with doing five fours at 72% and it's still the exact same workout for the day then they can do that and they can make that personal choice without feeling the social pressure or feeling the sense of like um that's a, that's a huge thing what you're saying there social pressure 100 percent um so i think derek's just uh, got a little van going by but i was say just because because i know what it's like to be in that situation where everyone's doing it and obviously you get in a weight room with a load of guys even girls athletes and everyone's juiced up and they're trying to they're saying whatever it's very it takes a lot of mental strength to say you know what guys i'm not feeling very good today uh, i'm gonna just drop it down 100 percent and uh yeah it's so funny dude that you mentioned the car outside so i live in colorado I can count on one hand the number of times I've heard city traffic where I live, <laughs> and that was probably number three in three years. So, uh, but no, you're you're a hundred percent right. And so, for a perfect example, and and this, you know, and I tell these stories. I actually never used to tell these stories. I'll be completely honest because I felt like when I told them, it actually. Uh, it, it distracted people from listening to my information about strength and conditioning because I, I had this fear that if I told these stories that people would be like, well, he's always been strong. What does he know about lifting? Right. Cause you get some of that bullshit with, with people. But when I was in college, we used to train with a strong group of like 18 to 22 year old athletes. And I remember clearly, uh, when we did our fall preparation, this was how, flat loaded, simple it was like it just brutal. So we trained six days a week. The first three days repeated themselves, um, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And all they did was repeat the exact same workout, but the volume would be cut down to 50%. The repetitions were doubled. That, that's it. That's as simple as this guy made it. And so for example, say September was the start of our uh, fall conditioning for lifting, we would come in in week one, we would do five sets of 10 week two. <laughs> so crazy. Uh, four sets of 10, three sets of 10, two sets of 10 in week four. And your last set would be a max effort. That was September. The only thing that changed in October is the 10 reps became eight reps, right? And people don't realize that getting strong is really that simple. And, and we had some freaks on our team, but I remember 
I was about 105 kilos in body weight, maybe. Um, and I had a, a group of guys that I trained with. Some were Olympians, some weren't. And at the end of that four-week fall cycle, uh, and you know we were high altitude too. Up in Wyoming, we're about 7,600 feet above sea level. So it's one of the highest universities in the country, um, much higher than Denver even. And I squatted 550, uh, so whatever that is, 250K, whatever. Yeah, uh, squatted 550 pounds for 10 reps at that body weight at the end of four weeks as a part of my fall conditioning. And what, you know, and what people have to understand is I still wasn't the strongest guy in my training group in college. You know, I, the guy that was I trained with, he squatted 280K for 10 at the end of conditioning cycles. Um, and this is just belt and wraps. You know, these are like 18, 19-year-old drug-tested college athletes that aren't even lifting as their priority. What people have to understand, we're still cranking out three hours of practice every day. We just lift because we're told to lift at this point in our life. But what that, what happens with that is the group think and the social structure that comes with that type of mentality definitely allows an individual to super exceed their own personal limitations. But what it also has a tendency to do, the positives, is that's how you get a team of athletes to be extremely successful, is because the weak will get very strong, the strong have a tendency to still lead. Like everyone always thinks that the the um, a homogenized program brings the, the top to the middle and the bottom to the middle. Top are always top, yeah. man. Top, you know, that's... They want to stay at the top, right? Yeah, man. High achievers will always be high achievers. But what has a tendency to do is the average comes up. And so and that's fantastic. Those are great things for life, for business, all that shit. The problem is, is those that have a tendency to always have to overshoot to stay in the middle or overshoot to reach the top and stay with the top guys. They stop listening to the micro level injury, the micro level discomfort, all that stuff has an amazing way of fading to the peripheral when you are in a situation where there's incredibly powerful group think. So even though it's extremely positive, you have a tendency to shut off the negative. And that's something no one ever talks about, right? Like getting into a situation that's so fucking positive that you forget that the negative also was giving you information that was useful. This is, this is true in all walks of life though, right? Absolutely. In terms of, Absolutely. You, can, you, can, you can touch on this with politics or anything, whatever you're talking about, yeah. like the group. And so when you're, when you're saying that, I mean, this is like, that's, I mean, it's so true. And, and this is where people even start to, yeah, I mean, I, I know you've been there because people also think, well, it's something I always touch on. People think, well, I've got a little injury here or this is happening. But, I mean, that's normal, right? Everyone gets it. No, no, it's not normal. It's just common. Uh, and, it's just common. And that's, the, and that's the thing. And so what you're saying there is 100% right. And it's, it's something I've tried to – because obviously you get some athletes listening, um, a lot of weekend warriors because this is something we're going to go into. And a lot of people – like myself, like like you said there, a lot of people, a lot of coaches can go. Well, you know, we can just trash people, and look, it's worked for him. He's he's my Olympic athlete. He's my Olympic success. Yeah, but yeah. how many other Olympic successes would you have had if you'd given one person a, a day's rest? I am one of the, my other mentors, Ruben Debar, is used to run four hundred meters for yep. Great Britain, and he said sometimes he'd say, "Well, you're doing this today," and he said, "No, coach, I've got a bad hamstring." He'd lie just so he could go and sit on the couch. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably why he eventually became a, a high-level champion because he had a little bit of that uh, ability to take control of himself. And and there, and you have to have a little bit of blind faith in any endeavor in life, right? You, you do have to because it, it does get you through the grinding days, right? Um, you know, and there's going to be grinding days where you do have to push through some things where you need the volume of repetition to achieve the success in the finite. And and that's, that's important stuff and and you can't downplay it for sure. But there is a bit of this broken methodology. Um, and there was a coach in the U S who's quite high level. He himself was, was uh, a successful guy, but he was given a lecture at Sornick Summerstrong nine. So two years ago. And he made a really interesting point. What he had said was, and, and this was a guy that was uh, a 10-year member of the Special Forces. So he had been through all selection stuff. He had gone through all that world. This was a hard operator. This guy, this, this guy was no joke. And, but he's also a sports performance coach and a high-performance guy. And he's like, listen, he's like, if your athletes are always puking or always hurt or can't walk after your workouts, you're doing something wrong. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe that because it's their own only measurable metric, right? So especially in the fitness world where maybe they're not competing, if they don't have one of those results or have one of those hangover symptoms from their training, they don't actually know where they are on the paradigm of success. They don't know how they stack up. They don't know how well they compete with their peers. There's nothing because none of it's measurable. It's just some, some people grinding. And, and for me, I'm like, listen, you have to understand, like when I was at my peak physical readiness as an athlete, like, so when I broke the Canadian national record, you know, my snatch was like 142 K power snatch. I was squatting, uh, 320 kilos, Um, I I was doing all these things right. I was training six days a week, multiple times a day. And what people have to understand is during that phase of training, I was never sore. You know, I had days where I'd wake up because I was a hammer thrower, which is a ballistic event, and I'd I'd have some tightness. I'd have some residual stiffness in my back um, because of the nature of my sport. But I never like this bullshit, these this fucking meme world we live in, like leg day, day after leg day, day after leg day. Well, I had a sport that was leg day every day and I never had a day after leg day and I was still squatting 300 kilos. So is that because is that because because your body adapted to it or is that because you were training? Because what people don't understand is because obviously we you're in the industry, you're a top, top level coach. I've been around it for years now. We understand there's a difference between chasing, uh, uh, training muscles for growth and to train the CNS, yep. right? So when you're doing that and you say it's a ballistic event, so you're trying to, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't really care if you get on stage and you're not 6% body fat, ripped to bits. Right. You care about how far you can throw that hammer. And so you're training Correct. your CNS. So, so for people out there, when you're training your central nervous system, that's why you can wake up in the morning and you can just feel, oh, today I don't feel that great because things like these complex... Derek said something there when he said about smashing people and the only barometer they got is if they throw up or they're sweating. We're going to go into CrossFit in a little bit. Just wanted to, just because yep. it's a little bit, a little bit about that. There's good things and bad things, but that's one of the things that they say. But when you're trying to, for example, someone plays 90 minutes of football, that's going to take a lot of wear and tear on their muscles, but also central nervous system if they're jumping, moving, sprinting, etc. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yep. Soccer, football over there. So, 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 soccer, sorry, football over here, soccer over there. Someone like yourself, you're throwing the hammer. Boom, it's a big explosive movement. People that are doing power cleans in the gym, etc. Although they're not, well, unless you're doing some CrossFit workouts, these repetitions are generally one to five you know you're not going into yep. that hypertrophy state or where you're really going to be, be causing a lot of trauma to the muscles so for people just to understand that that's why you can still get great adaptations uh, and you can release growth hormone and all these other great great um right. hormones but you're not getting that huge trauma to the muscle that's going to cause you to be sore and is that and is that one of the reasons why that was happening for you there's no question and so for example when you look at so there's going to be an argument, okay? So, and and I have to acknowledge the argument because I am friends with guys like, uh, you know, good buddies with a guy like Ben Pakalski, whose entire system is based around muscle stress and the growth of hypertrophy. So, okay, so when He's we step back, right? So I don't want to. I just, I just want to, just yep. want to tell people when I do this, but just because yeah. my audience, um, just want to get them to understand. Yeah, yeah, he's he's um he's a bodybuilder, and so when we're talking at the about highest, these, yeah, at the yeah. highest level, and so when yeah. you're talking about them, for example, just quickly, just just for me, same as you probably. Yep. When I used to play rugby, I used to play at about eighty-six to eighty-eight kg. Yeah, yep. I now play football. At a, a weekend level, but we still yep. train um, twice a week. I get ninety minutes on a Saturday, ninety minutes on a Tuesday. I now run around at about seventy-five to seventy-six kg. Completely yep. different, uh, and training is yes. a lot different to it. So, I just want people just to understand that, like it's horses for courses. So, um, sorry, yeah. you're, you're talking about the program there. Ben yeah. is a bodybuilder, and so he's he's all about stress. Yeah, so he's looking to basically maximize tissue stress regardless of of movement dynamic in the sense that you know if he can get the stress to a tissue in the quadricep using a leg extension mm -hmm. he has no he doesn't care what you can back squat right because it's it's an irrelevant conversation and i fully agree and understand that but what has a tendency to happen is when you take, say, pure Olympic lifting to the right of the spectrum and pure IFBB bodybuilding to the left of the spectrum, because we live in a world where social media needs rights and lefts, we need blacks and whites uh, in terms of simplicity of decision making. Everything is very simple here, zeros and ones. It's, it's almost like that mentality has really polarized everything. So we have guys way to the right. We have guys and girls way to the left and nobody's really having a conversation about the middle. So the people way to the left in the, in the muscle training world will say, if you're not causing huge traumatic trauma to tissue, then you're not reaching your goals. Huge traumatic trauma to tissue is going to make you very sore, blah, blah, blah. Mm. The people on the far right, because you're being measured by what happens on the field of play, right. You want to maximize human movement for the sake of athletic endeavor and any sort of loss of power due to a mechanical inhibition or a chemical CNS inhibition is going to result in a lack of success. Okay, so that's your two arguments and they're both correct in their given world. The problem is, is people don't realize that there's still a massive linear spectrum between those two where – there's going to be times where you need to train muscle for the sake of injury prevention, regardless of movement pattern. And there's going to be times where you need to train movement pattern to stimulate CNS development to maximize future muscle growth, right? So it goes both ways. Yeah. 
and it's really an important point. Now, with that being said, was there times in my life where I was sore training? Yeah, of course, everybody gets sore training. But going back to the original question where I think that stems from and why when I was at my peak physical shape, I didn't carry a lot of traumatic mechanical stress to the tissue making me sore, even though there would be times where my central nervous system was suppressed from the stress of training, is due to the fact that as you adapt or have long-term adaptation to training, and this is where it goes back to the difference between sport and fitness, is if you set up a proper program that has hypertrophy, strength, fat loss, all those things mixed into it over time, my results of being really strong and fit and having no injuries in June are a product of the fact that I've been doing a slow progressive adaptation process for 12, 18, 36, 48 months. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start to lose people because they're like, you've been training with the same mindset for 48 months. Yeah, 48. I've been probably training with the same mindset for 120 months. Like when you really start to think about it that way. And and when you start to break it down into those pieces, then you're like, okay, so that starts to make a little bit more sense for the people that are continuously getting sore and every fucking Monday is leg day. Like every Monday, they're the day after leg day. Well, then you have to step back and be like, listen, the reason why you're continuously getting sore is if, especially if you're an athlete or if something else and you're not training specifically for that purpose is because you're probably changing variables or you're manipulating and playing with your volumes and stresses to the system way too dramatically. And you will always have a tendency to get sore or have some sort of mechanical reaction to trauma if you're continuously manipulating how you stress the body. So if every single day you train legs, you do the hardest thing possible, but it never replicates really what you did the week before. And every week you're changing it and you're, you're saying, you know, you make up some excuse that you're trying to maximize adaptation and then you're trying to trick the body into growing and you're doing all this thing and you don't want the body to become stagnant. Well, yeah, you're probably not going to have a lot of success performance wise and I'm not even so sure over time you'll have maybe the greatest amount of success in hypertrophy because so much of your energy will be going into trying to understand new movement patterns, trying to recover traumatic trauma to the tissue. And you may not systematically train or stress the tissue the right way to even get hypertrophy, right? Because you're stressing the tissue in so many different tensions and directions that you may not get enough accumulative stress in the same direction to say, make your quads grow, right? So like one week, your quads are blown out because you, you were doing so much knee extension work. The next week, you don't even think about it and you accidentally do nothing but posterior driven work. And then the next week, it's something else. And you're like, well, I don't understand why I'm not growing. Well, you're not growing because you've only really stimulated to the point of stress your knee f- extensors, uh, you know, once in the last, you know, three weeks because you haven't properly put it all together correctly. Yeah, 100%. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah does that make sense? Yeah, it's a long answer, but yeah. No, 100% makes sense. And it's just one of those things. It's like, um, how, how was, what was I going to say on that? Just, just because to get, to get people to understand um, – 
For example, if you're do, doing a block of training, say it's going through, so a lot of people go to the gym, they've got personal trainers, or maybe it's one of the things at CrossFit. People wonder how, well, first, first of all, I'm going to go on to me. If I'm doing, for example, um, say I've been doing squats or deadlifts for a while, and then I go mix it and go to lunges. The first time I, I mix it up and go to lunges, the next day I'm going to be a little sore. But after yeah. after doing it for the next whatever weeks, um, the best one for it is when you change your hamstring moves. If I do um, deficit deadlifts compared to RDL or something like that, when I change it for the first time, I'm going to get a little bit of tension in my hamstrings that I haven't had for a little while. But the more yeah. I do it, the body adapts. But I'm still training that part of my body, still getting that response. And you don't have to do it so much. And people, um, I don't know if it was, I can't where it was. Who said it? It may have been you. It may have been someone else. But people like to. The best program is the one that you're not doing, right? People are always yeah, yeah. wondering about the program or someone else is doing this because. And it's saying we, we wanted to get into, but it's. We, I want to talk about your programs uh, later on because I know. You, Derek's got his own um, website. I used to have Manimals, Manimals Guide to the Universe, but now he's uh, he's had some brilliant videos in there. I was talking about it before. It's cracked me up, especially he's only got a few few up there now because he said it was a bit, bit of a, an insight into a window at that time of his life. But he's now got a website, www.ecobolic.com, where he's got programs. I mean, to go into that at a bit of a later date, but because a lot of people I deal with as well, um, I mean, this is such a huge one. Could, Touched on something there for a minute. I don't know where to go with it. I can speak to you for hours, Derek. This is the problem. Right, so we, you mentioned a little bit there the only time people can sort of have a barometer for their successes or for a client, if they're dealing with a post trained client, is did we make them sweat today? Were they physically tired? Right, um, which is something like CrossFit. Basically, our workout is, is uh, so your warm up. Sorry, your workout is our warm up. So you were mentioning yep. some of the numbers you did there. So you were squatting 320 kgs. And that's numbers most people can't even compute, you know. But you're a big guy, yeah? You're mm-hmm. a big guy. And, and even the, the, um, the, your, your client said he's, he's squatting whatever he's squatting. He said he's 300 pounds, 6 foot 4. Mm-hmm. These are big human beings. They're moving big weights because they're big human beings. Someone like myself, that, that those weights are, I mean, unless I'm going to start moving myself into Olympic weightlifting which is not happening anytime soon um, my numbers are always going to be a lot lower than that um, but you see some of these people right for, for example CrossFit the good the bad and the ugly so yep. going to your thoughts on it but a lot of these people are 5 foot 10 yeah my mm-hmm. my size they're weighing yep. 200 pounds maybe I know yeah it's about yeah. about 80k yep right. 80 to 90k is pretty common now but the average person in the gym goes there and they're first of all they're giving I mean one of the things Paul Jack said which is brilliant he said like you get a lot of these people CrossFit for one of um, for one of it's got right, as you said before there's, there's no bad um, programs just incorrectly prescribed programs and a lot of yep. these people have never really trained before and they're in there and they're doing complex moves like snatches uh, um, and like overhead lunges. It's like, well, I don't mind if you'd learn to juggle, but learn to juggle with oranges first, not not knives, you know? Yeah, exactly. So um, what, 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 what these people are doing, they see these people on, on TV and they look phenomenal. This is the thing about CrossFit. The ones that compete at the top level, they look like they could step on a stage. They're, they're, it's, it goes back to the same thing, you know, cause, and the pool is massive. It's even bigger than what I was dealing with in college, but you're looking at the crocodile principle. You're looking at people that can handle and tolerate both physically and psychologically massive amounts of training stimulus and still come out of it 
and have the ability to compete. Now, but just, just quickly, before you have your thought on that, one of the questions I yep. asked to ask you was, and it's about you saying Bolt as well, and these CrossFit guys, sure. PEDs. So, yeah. Absolutely. Right, exactly. I mean, so when people yeah, say that sport's clean and stuff, but people don't understand. They're like, well, no, no, they're not doing it. It has, has um, and people will swear, Brian, that Usain Bolt hasn't taken steroids. I'm not, I'm not here to say he has or hasn't, but I've got my right. thoughts on it. But um, these people at CrossFit, they look yes. ridiculous, and they're training three times a day, seven days a week. Their performance doesn't drop. You can't do that as a normal human being without being Ooh. completely smashed, right? Listen, it's regardless of what people want to believe, and people like to believe a lot of shit. And it, it, <laughs> it, it and the narrative changes depending on how you want to sleep at night, yeah. right? So, okay, for example, uh, Mr. Jones has a child. His son, little Bobby, trains his ass off until he's 18, but doesn't make it to the NFL. Doesn't become because he's not good enough. He's not big enough. Whatever, doesn't make it to the NFL. So Mr. Jones is going to be the guy that goes. You know what? Everybody in the NFL is on PEDs. Fuck that. That's why little Bobby didn't make it to the NFL. That's going to be his narrative, right? Then there's the other narrative. The other narrative is people that are not associated and don't have a personal invested interest in something. Maybe they do CrossFit for fun, but they have no desire to compete. So when they see these other people, they look at them as a little bit of hero worship. And then the narrative is, no way, man, those guys are totally natty. Everything they do is on the level. They eat paleo. And, <laughs> and, I love them and, eat shit as well. Like they eat yeah. terrible. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck it, yeah. yeah. It, and so so the narrative changes. And so the truth is always in the middle and you, and you have to sort through it all. And and you just have to look at things logically. And then I'll give an, a real example, true story example. Uh, and this should sum up how widespread recre what I refer to as recreational PED use is just in society. Yeah. OK, so we have hormone replacement therapy and all that stuff is really valuable, like. So I'm a guy who is a, a full disclosure guy. I'm a big believer that as you age, you need to go to a doctor and start to talk about your hormones because there's some weird shit that happens, especially in today's 7 billion population that is causing our hormones to get a little weird. So I have no problem with uh, people taking HRT. Now, as soon as I say that, the reality, and I'm, I'm not a fool, is we got a lot of 30-year-old guys on HRT taking 1,000 milligrams a week, yeah. right? Because they get a script and then they go batshit crazy. So there, there's that. You know, there's that side of it as well, but there's also the health benefits now. So you remove that and you get rid of all the stigma. So as a guy that personally has no stigma towards PEDs, um, I think that you got to adhere to the rules of the field. But as far as a, as a, some recreational guy taking testosterone at 42, because it makes him feel a little better and he gets morning wood back, you know what? All the power to him. I don't give a shit. Oh, right. So, so that's. Yeah, I just it's not my concern. You know, there's much worse things in the world to worry about. Um, so but to give a perspective of how widespread it is, 
it, you got to look at the fitness industry, CrossFit, all these things. CrossFit's a, it's a, it's a, it should be a no brainer, just the amount of volume. And at the end of the day, anabolics are not muscle growers. They're restoration increasers. Yeah. So when, when you look at anabolic use, there's some, you know, statistical research that shows that there might be a increase in CNS activation with some drugs and there might be a little bit of muscle contractile speed increase with some substances, you know, some stuff that comes from the old DDR files in the former Soviet Union. So we know that there are some compounds out there that have a, a direct effect on say hundred meter sprint time. But at, at the end of the day, the majority of people say in the hundred meters at the Olympics, they're completely off because they need to get rid of that cellular water retention and blood volume to be able to run their fastest. So for example, sprinters, if they are using, they use further away from the Olympics than people would ever assume. Yeah. The only reason Ben Johnson tested positive is because he had a torn hamstring and he was using all the way through. So when you look at those types of situations and you remove those high liars, anabolics are a restoration increaser. So a sport like CrossFit absolutely with those volume parameters and requirements just to be mildly successful at the games requires a huge amount of restoration measurement of which anabolics is the most logical and easiest way to do it. Yeah. Now, real world scenario, about four years ago, I had a friend training a woman in uh, South Africa. You know, just and we're not talking athletes, we're talking general everyday folks, good looking 40 year old woman. You know, she was lean, all that shit doesn't matter. And uh, she was talking about her former personal trainer and her former personal trainer had put her on a supplement, which we know to be Anavar, Right. Mm. But she she didn't have a clue. So he was like, yeah, I got this great supplement. It'll help you get lean, blah, blah, blah. It's a low dose, yada, yada, yada. She had no clue about PD. She has, she's not even from the fitness world. She was a former model that's built really well, has a couple kids. Okay, yeah, okay. So this gives you a perspective. So she remembers taking it for about three months. Of course, she had incredible results. Of course, she got leaner and harder than she normally would have. She had all those things because she was already dedicated to the lifestyle. So when I heard that story, I remember being so blown away that I couldn't believe it, right? So it was like one of those stories that I told everybody. And so then I turn around and I'm still working for the Polycon group and there was a really good female trainer uh, associated with the company at the time. And I remember telling her this story. And she was so blown away like I was that she started like telling everybody, right? Because she was, she couldn't believe it. And she goes to one of her friends in Montreal is who – She was coaching with you, wasn't she? Yeah, I know you're talking about this. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so she's talking to one of her coaches in Montreal and telling them the story. And the person goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This coach over here does that as well. And totally tells the exact same story from a different perspective. And that's when I sat back and I'm like, okay, hold on. So you're telling me a random woman in Cape Town, South Africa is being given Anavar by her trainer at some shit gym no one ever heard of. And so is this woman up in Montreal, Canada by another trainer at some other shit gym that no one's ever heard of. They couldn't be more further removed from one another. But they're both experiencing the exact same thing. If that's the case, then this is such a widespread epidemic, both 
people taking it, not knowing what it is, or people taking it, being told that it's not harmful nowadays, that it fully starts to explain how inundated the fitness and sporting world has become with anabolic and PED use. I would even go as far as the surmise that fucking professional sports have now become cleaner than the average gym is. And that never used to be the case. Anabolics used to be a subculture secret weapon that really hardcore people would play with and athletes that could get away with it would use. And now we got guys like John Jones popping for a second or third time in the UFC of all things, fully illustrating the fact that nobody is even protecting the superstars of an industry. Right. If John Jones is going to be allowed to test positive again for an anabolic, then clearly all the professional athletes are in the crosshairs of of testing. So when people are like, yeah, they're protecting this athlete or they're protecting that athlete. I hate to break it to people. They're not. They're just not. Drug testing in sports has become much more stringent than the chaos, which has now become, say, fucking some gym in London or some gym in New York. Like that's where you're seeing this rampant, uneducated use of PEDs. Yeah. And it's, the thing is with it, there's so many ways to go about this one as well because it's, it's like when it comes to sports performance, for example, these people, it's such a, see, you know what, I don't really care. I mean, I've got my views on certain people what they do and don't do. I mean, yep. is it is it any? I mean, Usain Bolt this time he won it in didn't didn't run it under ten seconds. I don't think, and when he won it, he won it in nine point mm. five eight. Like mm. you, you do the math, you know. Um, and he jogged the last ten meters or whatever it was. Um, don't win it too <laughs> quick. Don't win it too quick because then people really will start asking questions, you know. Uh, and it's yep. uh, uh, listen if you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast and he's got people on there talking about it and saying, look, you have to be an idiot. He said, "I can, I can, I can, I can uh, get a donkey to pass a, a, a PED test." He said, "You've got to be an idiot or extremely lazy to get caught." Um, and, they're, and they're also talking about um, Lance Armstrong, for example, the most tested athlete of all time. Never actually got caught with a positive test. He got dimed out by mm. his friends. So you, yeah, yeah. Think, you think that you've got the the best people in the world trying to catch these these people? You've got even better people trying to hide them. Um, if, if you're yeah. and and they just change one molecule, but. For me, it was the fact that sports like CrossFit, or even there's a gym in London that I know you, you work at, but it gets called out all the time for maybe photoshopping their results and people using steroids, right. etc. Yeah, um, but people don't understand that long term. I mean, there's lots of things people can change, but when you're going into like a CrossFit gym and you're wondering how people look a certain way, even though you're all training the same, this is why I've got, I just like to bring it up because I want people to realise that sometimes there are other factors at play. Um, yeah. As well, so you don't don't get down yourself. I mean, it, it's something that like yeah. because yeah because the people are just like oh how is he doing? I we used to have people. I used to work at CrossFit gym years ago, and uh, people would come in and some guys would just be like, mate, like he's four percent body fat, jack to jack to beyond belief, and and uh, he wasn't like that six months ago, you know. Um, it yeah. doesn't take a rocket scientist to work it out, but it's just for people to think that you've also that's if you want to go down that path, but. Long term, getting your diet right, your sleep right, um, getting your water right, these things, all of a sudden, you're going to start to get that increase in performance, but it might take a little bit longer, like you said about your your things. And, and for you, you're squatting through. This is the reason as well, Derek. You look at yourself. Um, you're not 
you don't look like someone who's abused drugs. You know, you're not like someone. Right. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people, you, you look at them and go, mm. so you've got, yeah, you've got a certain look. You know, you <laughs> there, there is a look. It's uh, you know, and like I alluded to earlier when we were talking on this on this interview podcast, it was. So, for example, something I never talk about because I don't want to disenfranchise the listeners, but I, I wrote about it and I mentioned it on Power Athlete uh, Radio recently. The very first time I ever squatted in my life, the, literally, like I'd done some movements with the bar as a teenager, but when I was 16 years old, the very first time I ever squatted a max RM was in a competition. I signed up for this local thing, never having done it before. And I fucking squatted 200 kilos, right? So outrageous. it's outrageous. I even know it is because I know what it's like now 20 years later to try to get people to squat 200 kilos consistently. That is always going to play a factor. Mm -hmm. So there are certain attributes. So for example, I eventually had an athlete who at 100 kilos ran a 10, 600 meters in a state track meet. And he went on to squat 400 kilos at 110 kilos in body weight, right? So he squatted 880 at fucking 235, 240 pounds. He was about 6% body fat. Now you're going to have those high liars yeah. in every walk of life. The difference is, is those people typically, when you've come from a real coaching background, those are like your once a decade kids. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, yeah. your Tiger Woods, yeah. yeah, your Tiger Woods, your Johnny Wilkinsons, your I don't know, your uh, yep, whatever. It and was. so yeah, yeah. So they'll get they'll get they'll get highlighted, and someone will be like, "Man, I don't know. I think that guy's on." Well, yeah, it's it's a legit question to ask. But when you walk into a gym and you have fifteen of them, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's when you have to step back and be like, "Okay." So based on the old like. Soviet principle was they used to believe that hormones were in everybody, but some people had less and some people had more. That's what they used to talk about, you know, going back 20 years. And so a guy like myself who had, you know, full body hair at 15, squatting 400 kilos at 16 with no, no experience, I probably had a little more. Right. I, I own it. I, I, I get it. It's why it is what it is. My athlete, he too probably had a little more. Now, what the, the Soviets used to believe and the Hungarians in particular, if you tested somebody and they had a little less, then they just would supplement them until the plane. Yeah, yeah, until the until the playing field was all equal. Right, exactly. Yeah, so it's a different and, argument, right? That's a little bit of a, like people go, well, now they're fair equal. It now, does, now, right? He's, now he's better at the technical bits rather than just like naturally, but that's part of it. It's, it is, and so people used to be like, well, why do their top guys not test positive, but their mid run guys do? Well, that's why mm -hmm. because they weren't supplementing their genetic freaks as heavily or at all. So they would sneak through and keep winning, and then they're like second, third place guys were always testing positive, right? And, and so when you think of it that way, now, you know, super, you know, jump into the future to a, a CrossFit box whereversville, and you walk in and you see 15 guys all sort of looking the same and all pretty much on the same program. Well, all you're really seeing is that theory and practice. 
the guys that aren't quite as good are using a little bit more to start to balance out the middle. And then the guys at the top don't have to use as much and they all start to look the same. Yeah. And they do look the same. They all look, I mean, if you see a lineup for it, they just look, look, yeah. it's, they look phenomenal, a lot of them, but it's just, they literally look the same. Like, and the, yeah. and the, and the women, when they, when it's like some of the women, I'm like, come on, a woman, yeah, yeah, yeah. a woman doesn't look like that. She's got a, t- no. she's got a tortoise shell on her back, you know, it doesn't look, doesn't, a woman doesn't look like that. So it's no. just saying, I just wanted a, a touch on because I know yeah. because just because people can get in their head like, right. And it's why I know I'm happy to walk around. Uh, me, my physique. It's completely different. It depends on what you want to do, you know. Not not for yep. it, not against it. If you want to go for it, but for me, I'm very, very natural. I like to be like that. And this gets to a certain age, like you said, um, where you need to. Yeah, little things. That's, that's different. But, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a few. Qu- I mean, are you okay to stay for a little while? Have you got to go? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, good. Let me know when you when you've got to go because I've got some questions. I want to touch on. Well, first of all, I want to touch on quickly. Um, there's a few things. What where what do you think of the fitness industry right now, and what do you think it'll be in ten years from now? And I also want to touch on your programs uh, and and sure. who, who they're for and um, who can get involved. Um, yep, so, yeah. for sure. So what do you so at the moment the fitness industry and because yeah. it a little bit about the advertising. There's always a big guy on the front of pages drinking protein shakes and people thinking they look like that. Or where do you think? What do you think of it? Because you did mention it actually before when you said. People power people doing the musculus type and the bodybuilding, and now, but now there is a bit of more movement to the Olympic lifts and CrossFit might have got to do with that. People using mm-hmm. rings, and yeah, yeah. the guy called Idol Portal is a movement expert. So movement I always guy. try and incorporate all of this in my training just to try and get a, a, a real mixture. And I know you do. So, what do you think yeah. about where it is and where it's going? I think. Well, I think right off the beginning. Um, what is old is new again. And that is definitely the case with the fitness industry. It always will be. Um, because we have a tendency to be a very transient industry where we move towards fad and back again towards basics over and over and over again. And and that's okay. It's just people trying to push on the ceiling of a, of an industry to find a hole to the next level only to realize that the, some of the things that they were doing were what was going to get them to transcend. Now, when we look at, say, the positives of things like CrossFit, positives of CrossFit, in my opinion, the biggest thing that they've done, which is the most valuable thing that they've done, is they've reintroduced the concept of hard work to the everyday fitness practitioner. Um, so people that don't have a desire to compete, they're now being reeducated in the fact that grueling hard bearish type works for men and women are absolutely beneficial ways to set up your personal training. So the idea of a 30 minute elliptical at a 75% HRV is no longer an acceptable alternative, right? (laughs) And and that, that is invaluable. Um, so they've done an amazing job of, of breaking down that wall that was built up post 1980s, uh, Reebok step aerobic class mentality. Um, because let's face it, uh, any, you know, I always coached female athletes in college. So I've always been around high level female, uh, competitors. I had teammates back in 1999. I was on a team where I had three women 
on that team in 99, power clean 120 kilos or more. So I've always been, and these women weren't all big women. Some of these women how were. How do they look? Do you mean, because a lot of people think. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they're so, like them being bulky. Do they look good? Okay. No, yeah, exactly. So one of them is now the head coach for OPEX uh, CrossFit programming in the U.S. The other was, I don't even know how to describe it. She back then was a fan of bodybuilding. So she was a chicken and vegetable people, you know, oh, steamed yeah. chicken, steamed mm-hmm. vegetables. So she was an Olympian for the United States in 2000 in two events. You know, Jess was maybe, and I'm saying maybe uh, 10 or 11% as a female, right, as a shot putter. So she had like these huge square abs and veins in her arms competing at the Olympics. And this was long before CrossFit or anything else ever came around. She just, she liked to look a certain way as a female athlete and she had a, a 180 kilo back squat at the same time. So, um, so I'm, I've always been around this type of mentality. So when I saw it start to reemerge through CrossFit introduction for the female weightlifting culture, for me, I was all for it because I've always been a fan of that type of training for the female athlete anyway. Um, so that, that's invaluable. Those things, breaking down stereotypes, getting collective. Yeah, getting rid of the if you lift more than two kilos, you'll hurt your you'll hurt your body mentality. Um, the tribalism that people often critique CrossFit for this idea that tribalism is the downfall of, of training. I don't know what they're talking about, because a lot of those people that are promoting that are the same like miserable fucks that train by themselves They come into the weight room and they drop their belt by the squat rack and they stare everybody down and they're just miserable fuckers. Those people, right, are so full of fucking insecure and narcissistic thoughts that they go into that weight room and that's their one primitive moment to feel like they're the fucking king of the world. Well, I hate to break it to you, asshole. You're miserable, right? And the guys in sports like CrossFit – that are, you know, five guys just crushing it or five girls crushing it and there's community and there's motivation and there's teamwork and there's all those good things. Well, that's how the NFL was. That's how rugby league is. That's how football is. 100%, you know, yeah. That's how team sports are, right? That's what you have on That's what happens. And, I, and you know what? The fucking – yeah, the juiced out dude pissed off at the world in his fucking gym box squat rack staring at everybody – there's a good chance he also didn't play sports either, right? Like, so I'm a little harsh with that stuff because when I see it, I'm just like, you're an asshole. You, you're, and you're making everybody else uncomfortable and no one gives a shit. So you could either, you know, and then you'll get online and meme about how, you know, fucking CrossFit's a cult, right? Give me a break. So it, tribalism is an important part of progressive development. I was more successful because of my teammates than because of not having them, right? So I grew with my group, and my group was high level. Therefore, my mentality was high level. A lot of that, you know, you're the average of stuff. There's some truth to that, but it's not all personality. Like everyone wants to be like, you're the average of your five friends, and they immediately like chalk it up to personality. It's like, what? No, fuck off with that. Okay, I'm not the average of my five friends' personalities. I'm more so the average of the five people's habits and attitudes and motivations that I'm around, right? So if I'm around five lazy fucks, 
I'm going to be lazy fuck number six. 100%. If I'm right, even if I have a different personality, but if I'm around five people that every day get up and are like, man, let's meet at uh, 8 a.m., we'll get our training in, and then we're going to work on this project and we're going to be around these things. You know what? You start to become a lot like that. Derek, and that's, you, that's... Sorry, mate. I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. Sorry, right. I think you, you just touched on a point there. I mean, you go out and you... And, and for example, I go out to eat and I have something. People go, like, what's that? And they have it as well. What's the matter with that? That's a good thing. It's a positive it's a good influence, thing. right? Yeah. So, so if you're, if you're going to be around 100%, like you said, if you've got Usain Bolt and Johan Blake trained together, Blake's going yeah, yes. to try and beat... Bolt and Bolt's going to try and stay at the stop, top, right? So that's that's a hundred percent positive. Um, and absolutely you noticed it in, in in your training. Um, and it's just something where that to me is people. Maybe people feel a little bit insecure the CrossFit thing. They're not ready for it. Once they get into it, they realize it's it's okay and like it's not a problem. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same as like the situations where you get uncomfortable in. You walk into the gym the first time, you're like, oh. But once you get used to it, it just comes home. Yeah. That's 100%. You become adapted to the surrounding. You realize that everybody's dealing pretty much with the same insecurities. Um, it doesn't matter how developed they are. You know, the biggest irony about the fitness industry is the biggest guy in the gym with the biggest muscles is probably the one that's most uncomfortable about taking a shirt off. That's why he's probably an IFBB pro anyway. It, it's a bit of a harsh thing. And I think Ben Pakalski had mentioned that on one of his podcasts. Maybe it was the one he and I did that he was least comfortable with himself the closer he got to competition. And that's such like, so for someone who's not from that world, they go into a gym and they see guys like that and they can't even comprehend what they're physically looking at with their eyes because they're so big and so lean and so developed. Not realizing that internally on a psychological level, emotional level, they're probably at the same point, yeah. having the same thoughts and the same fears. And, and that's – in that, in my opinion, is one of the things CrossFit has done very well is it's like New York City streets, the anonymity that comes with being in a group of people. Right there, there's a London's the same. There's a weirdness to it that you don't experience in a small town. So when you're on that street surrounded by 10,000 people, you couldn't be more invisible. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and so CrossFit has a bit of that benefit to it, because when you have a training class that hopefully is, is organized, but it has 20 people in it that are all beginners all of a sudden, your mistakes as a beginner amongst 19 other beginners becomes a smaller percentage of an obvious whole. Yeah. Whereas if you send that same person into fucking Gold's Gym by themselves with no clue and you're like, hey, just work out, they are super conscientious and super aware of how much they stand out yeah. because – Everything's different. Everyone's doing a different thing. So if you pick up that dumbbell and don't know how to use it, you're the only one that's obviously not sure what to do. 100%. Yeah. And, and so now that's also a positive for the personal training industry because hopefully that's where good trainers will pick up on those people and educate them along, which – is another three-hour podcast in itself because we know that's not that's not how the industry seems to work very well. But but that's the positives. Now the fitness industry, like we already touched on a little bit, the fitness industry is a little too PED driven, in my opinion. Um, 
in the sense that it, and I don't think it's ever going to go away now. Um, it's too easy to get a hold of. It's too commonplace. The results come too quickly. I mean, let's face it. Back in the, the late 90s, people were taking over-the-counter fat burners that have now long since been suspended by the FDA because they were extremely harmful to people. Um, there was fat burners on the market in the late 90s, early 2000s that had active clombuterol in it, which is oh, yeah, a nice. big right? A beta, beta antagonist that causes fat burning, but it's also can be incredibly heart detrimental. They, 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 um, so my girlfriend was given it by a, by a trainer and I went fucking ballistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it steals magnesium from the heart, right? Like it's a very harsh chemical. It's a bronchiolator. Um, it's basically like supercharged ephedra. Now, do people <laughs> drop right? Do people drop dead from clombuterol? No, not typically. But it's extremely unhealthy practice to use it at high, uh, consistently. Um, so when you look at that type of mentality, it's been around for a while. And now that we know that we have incredible access to uh, peptides and anabolic agents via the internet, it's not going anywhere because humans desire to look a certain way. The peacock syndrome of humanity has always been prevalent. Everybody wants to look better. Everybody wants to have attention placed upon them and everybody wants to be the person that others, uh, vanity, right? Want to aspire to be. Sexually, um, sexually attractive as well, right? Sexually attractive. It's, I mean, at the end of the day, we are biological entities and that is determined by what society deems in our cultures, uh, attractive. Mm -hmm. And if that is having, which is currently the big trend, uh, a lean muscular body with an exaggerated ass, um, blah, 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 then there's going to be people that make money being just ass specialists. As crazy as that seems, we know it's a fact if you go online. So as long as that part of the fitness industry is driven by the standards of, of mating and biology, things that no one talks about openly anymore, we're going to have extreme attempts to achieve it mm -hmm. for sure forever. Mm -hmm. If for some reason that paradigm shifts and the world falls into a, a mysterious fucking meteor-based famine – and right and and everybody starves out a generation then more than likely the most attractive people will be big and fat again because that's a sign of survival so there are some certain things that you just have to accept as a part of that of that biology state of our current culture you know it, it's just it is what it is and as much as we want to say yeah but it should be about health and wellness and movement and mobility well, yeah, that's what the educated minority will fully understand. But the uneducated majority want to have an ass like Kim Kardashian, right? And they don't give a shit what that entails. Yeah. You and, know? And, uh, and those PEDs and things like that, it's, it's quick, right? So the, Super quick. And the thing is, when they go down that route, uh, and, and it, we always talk about people forget that because we're in Western society and it's all – Positive, positive, positive energy. Go, go, go. Grind, grind. Right. Don't sleep. Drink stimulants. Coffee, 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 etc., etc. And then they wonder why they're like then they they burnt out their adrenals so much. That, well done. Now you're medication for the rest of your life. Or right. Et and then that's why I said before at the start. I know I'll always have clients because this is happening. I mean, even if I didn't advertise, recommendations are through the roof because people are just like this. They don't understand. 
with yin, you need yang, and you need the masculine, the, the feminine. You need the, yep. the the water and the fire, the moon and the sun. You need to have it. And people living that way, it's quick, um, quick results. But the longevity of it, eventually, you're going to tie yourself out to a point where you're going to get ill. Um, or something, yes. or something, or you get injured. Either way, um, your body, the body can only take so much. You know, it's accumulation of these things. And so, as you said, it's it is where it's going. Uh, and the problem with it, a lot of coaches do it now, um, and they look yeah. a, they look a certain way. And for someone like yourself, you're one of only get experts on my show at the moment. You know, well, I, I'm, unless I'm talking to people who've been through certain experiences themselves, which therefore makes an expert. You've been through, yep. like myself, I've been through why I do what I do because I went through a, a very, very um, five-year period of being very ill and certain things that led to me doing what I do now. For example, you had a very, very bad injury. You went mm-hmm. into it and, and you scratched your own itch, right? Um, yeah. And, and that's what a lot of these people do. They scratch their own itch and, and you understand. But a lot of these coaches are out there giving advice that... Um, and because they look a certain way, because they've taken something that's allowed them to get there very, very easily, people start believing them uh, and, uh, and treating them like an authority when it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and that's where we need to people get back to substance. And someone like yourself who's been doing this a long time, trust me, guys out there, longevity in this game is a huge thing. You don't stay in this game uh, very long. If You can only sell shit once. Um, yes, yeah. And um, it's the same with athletes or if, he's, or if you're dealing with any sort of clients if you if you if you're not very um if you've got no integrity and you're taking shortcuts you keep on you keep on cutting corners you go around in circles right so it's one of the things i say to people um just be just be just know if you're going to do these things that somewhere down the line you're going to probably have to it's like going in your bank account and getting into the overdraft you have to pay yes. that, you have to pay that money back in at some point and you're going to have to this is why you even got someone I think it was Rogan who interviewed um, body, bodybuilder very English bodybuilder what's his name I can't remember Dorian Yates Dorian Yates great interview but he's talking about yep. now I mean he did all this bodybuilding but it's not functional now you see him he's a lot leaner he does yoga a lot of different things yeah. and, and that's a huge part of it right well and it's funny because Dorian's a fantastic example because he was the basically he introduced the professional bodybuilding world to the next level, which we've now seen grow disastrously out of control. Um, But he was the guy that was like, you know what, I can take this up a notch. And so he was, uh, you know, back in the late 90s, or actually for Dorian, it was early to mid 90s, I was in high school. um, He was the biggest of the biggest. And then after him became Ronnie Coleman. And Ronnie was a whole nother level again. But the thing that's interesting about Dorian is I've met him a couple times purely as a, a like a fan and passing type of thing. Never had a chance to speak with him, even though we know a lot of the same people. The first time was back in like 93 when he was at the top of his game, got his book, got it signed. He was bigger than life. Then I saw him again uh, at the Arnold Classic in the early 2000s. I was at the top of my athletic game. He was now out of it, starting a business. He looked horrible right and i remember seeing him and being like what the fuck now here's what's weird and it's not weird to people that know but it's weird to the general population so people are like man what's wrong with dorian he looks terrible yada 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 then we leapfrog ahead to say his interview with rogan a couple weeks ago or when he did london real and he looks fantastic 
He looks healthy. He actually looks about 10 years younger now in 2017 yep. than he did when I saw him in 2004. And, and, what, and what people have to understand is, and, and he talks about it in depth now, and, and not, again, I'm another guy that is very liberal about certain things um, as I get into my 40s, but he's a guy that started to experiment with adaptogens, and then he got into ayahuasca, and then he got in, obviously, he's a big cannabis user, and in all these different things that it's not so much that he took these substances that did anything to reset the clock for a guy like that, in my opinion. But what that shows is that he finally broke free from a paradigm of thinking that had structured him to become a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that paradigm of thinking was so focused on the bodybuilding world and hypertrophy and, and all this stuff that went with it that it became very narrow and very unhealthy. So it's not so much that all these very interesting trips into the psychedelic made him younger. All it shows to me as an outsider is that he broke completely away from a way of thinking that clearly had a very unhealthy end result. And so now you're seeing this introduction of yoga, a guy that rides his bike from what I understand is you know, diligently as he used to spend time in the gym. Um, obviously he still works out, you know, he still lifts weights cause it's an important part of him. Um, you know, instead of using high dose testosterone to try to turn back the hands of time, he openly admits to using extremely low doses and only just enough to keep him healthy because of the damage he had done in his bodybuilding years to his, uh, endocrine system. So when you look at all these things, you're like, Hmm, there's a guy that released the ego, released this incredibly driven desire to be the most acknowledged physical form on the planet for a form which has little measurable comparison. And in fact, you know, he would go into any gym in America or London right now and the average 23-year-old meathead on the way up would embarrass him with every weight that they lifted because he couldn't be able to compete with them in pretty much anything. But he's now probably what a you know fifty year old man that looks younger than he did as a forty year old man. So that's where you have to step back in this industry and be like, okay, what are we really doing this for? Are we are we doing this for the the hour and a half at the club where I might get laid? Or you know, is that where where I put on a shirt that has sixty percent spandex in the sleeves. But people do that, Derek. People people will take these drugs. Just go out and I, for example, over here, Ibiza or wherever it is, they'll take like a course of one hundred percent. Stand there with a drink in their hand, looking like the man, and not even talking to anyone. I'm like, are you actually enjoying yourself? Yeah, the anti-social dude that went on a fucking cutting program to to go to the island for a party. It's like, so, okay, you spent 22 weeks getting in the best shape of your life. And now that you're in that situation, you don't even have the courage or confidence to talk to another human being, <laughs> right? So it's, so it's like, that's where you have to step back and be like, okay, it's one thing to want to look healthy. It's another thing completely to be a healthy human being. 100%. They are yeah. two distinct things. And I wanted to say this, though, one of the part of it was what is health to you? Because it's one of those things like Dorian, because yeah. um, I know you, it's the thing, 
you get a professional way. I, I, I mean, comp- if I, I said to a lot of people, if I look back up, if, my, if I was my 18 year old self would look at me now and go, what the hell are you on about, mate? Just get in for sure. Drink. I yeah. just take all these shakes and all this stuff yep. there. Dan Carter was taking it. So of course it was good and whatever. I know a lot, lot different now. It's completely that I don't do any stimulants. So I just try and have my energy come from within. There's all different ways to go about it. Obviously you're performing at yep. the top level. You want to take things, but I'm all about if you're internally healthy, you're going to look externally healthy. Generally, your 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 skin's yes. a reflection of your internal health. There's a lot going on when it comes to food, sleep, and it's a whole part of that pyramid, right? Um, of the pyramid or of that circle. You just take different slices of the of the pizza if you want. You get sleep, diet, water intake, your exercise, and um, it comes to everything. So, what is health to you? And looking a certain way and feeling a certain way and having that energy inside to me. It's a lot more than just, well, I look great, but I feel terrible. Uh, I've got no confidence. And this is where yoga, I mean, I go yoga class. This is something I used to laugh at myself. What are you going yoga for? It's, that's, that's what, like, that's for wimps and stuff. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Get in and do yeah. it, guys, because trust me, you'll be shaking like a shitting dog because you, you, won't be able to, uh, you won't be able to tell some of the poses. And it's a very, especially if you do um, some of the flow classes, it's a very challenging. Yeah, uh, 100%. And, you know, like a big thing that I've always preached over the years is if anything in the physical cultural universe, so whatever activity you're getting into could be from kettlebells to Olympic lifting, from yoga to Pilates, doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you're you're experimenting with, it's all a part of the same thing. Um, and I've always believed this. So it's like if your sport or your requirements require a greater percentage of that pie to, to be this one way or another, then you have to put your energy there. So as a, so when I was throwing the hammer full time, the greatest percentage of my pie required a lot of power production, Olympic lifting squats. So that's where I put all my energy because I knew that's what I needed to do. If you're training for health, wellness, longevity, the only thing that changes is it's not that any one thing is you know, less or greater than it's just balancing out that pie. So fitness, if you're looking for long-term health and wellness is about having as many pieces of that pie diversified in terms of things that are going to help you move better, feel better and breathe better as a human being on this planet. That that's the key to long-term, in my opinion, longevity and fitness. So if flexibility like was a big issue for me coming out of sports is an issue then you're going to have to sacrifice strength and power or hypertrophy development for a while while you increase the slice of the pie which is mobility movement flexibility Um, because those are your limiting factors now going back to what you just said about yoga so what ends up happening and this is what people have a hard time accepting is they don't see something like yoga, especially if they're big into weightlifting, as something that will make them stronger because they don't see how not lifting will make them stronger. And in actuality, one of the truths that people don't often recognize is, and I'll say it a couple different ways, but one way is anything that you're weak at or anything that you struggle to complete by default makes you stronger upon completion. Bang on. Right? And and so if you can't stabilize your body in yoga, that's actually showing up in the weight room. You just have found ways to neurologically hide it. So, so that's one. 
The other thing that's interesting, and, and this is a big thing that I believe, is a lot of people's human performance and ability to have achievement is trapped within a dysfunctional system. So even an athlete that is very strong and has success, they may still be unable to display or present their absolute horsepower or performance levels because of issues that are hindering that mechanical process, adhesions to the fascia, lack of flexibility, um, inability to initiate because of hypertonicity of tissue. We can get into a lot of that weirdness, but at the end of the day, myself is a perfect example. Um, at 40 years of age, I deadlifted 655. And everyone thought I did this big preparatory phase to get to 655, uh, you know, 300, right around 300 kilos, like 190, whatever it is. Um, and I did it at Summer Strong 10. So they're like, how did you prepare for it? And I'm like, uh, truthfully, I didn't. I just showed up and I, dead, I did the deadlift and I stopped deadlifting when I couldn't lift any more weight. So people are like, huh, okay, that's weird. And then I have to go back and explain to them, well – you have to understand that I have a big base of years of training. I go, but for the last year, because I had a really catastrophic Achilles tendon reconstruction that went wrong, so it set me back for about three years. Um, so for the last year, all I've put my energy into was being really fit cardiovascularly, interval and steady state, and really, really working on flexibility of my posterior chain and my anterior chain of the lower body because it was an issue. So with a little bit of work, working up in say posterior movements and staying really fit and working on stuff I was really shitty at like a pistol squat or any sort of single leg stuff, just by doing that, I got stronger in my core lifts at this phase in my life because the strength residually was always there I just had to unlock it from a trapped mechanical fascial adhesion system. So it's like my muscles wanted to do some work. Now, I can't train like that anymore because I get really blown out from it orthopedically. But my body's like, yeah, I can pick that up if you just get all this damaged tissue to relax enough for it to function. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where you have to look back and be like a holistic approach to strength, fitness, cardiovascular function – nutrition, sleep, etc. Fitness or a healthy fitness existence, if you're not an athlete, is taking the major pieces of that pie and just balancing them out so that you're not one-sided as a physical creature on this planet. Your, your ship doesn't only have one task, right? If you want to be a barge that barely moves and carries heavy load, and that's what you love to be as a barge, then I'm not going to stop you from doing it. But unless you have an end goal that is measurable, there's a good chance that that barge is going to run into troubles and rough seas that a more well-designed ship could tolerate. Yeah, I think I've heard you before as well saying it, it's obviously not, not, not functional. You get these big people, but they can't even move. Uh, or, right. Or, or vice versa, you get some people that are just really spindly and they can do all these moves, but there's not they've got any strength. So, the thing is, strength. Yeah, the thing the thing with it, you, I mean, obviously you specialize. You want to you want to have um, a well-rounded approach to it. And even for someone like me who still plays football, etc. The fact that I get all these things right makes me uh, fitter, leaner, stronger anyway. Uh, and so, like yeah. when when you you don't have to. It's funny because. 
people special themselves in the gym, but if you go to the gym to do full body two, three times a week, and you're getting your sleep right, your nutrition right, your water right, you're not using all these chemical skin products, etc., etc., you're going to be leaner, you're going to be uh, mentally yeah. sharper, you're going to look better, your skin's going to be great, you're going to have like that, almost like that vascular, not vascular look, but you're going to look harder, denser. I mean, it's all going to yep. come into place and it's going to be natural. It might take a little bit more time, but you're going to get there. Your body's going to find its natural weight and, and you're going to feel 10 times better with it. And trust me, I feel better at 31 than I did when I was 18 and that just doesn't right. improve with it. And even for someone like, what I want to do, Derek, is down the line, um, I'd love to get you back on and talk about talk about the weekend warrior versus the athlete, and also the big yeah. one. A big one would be kids. Yeah. So Specialisation versus versus yeah, diversification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to get you what back I- on and, and do a show on that. But just because I know you've had you on for ages, and I mean I could talk to you all yep. day. What I want to do is just go through because guys, uh, if you go to www.ecobolic.com, it's Derek's website. Have a look, look around there. Um, he's got his programs um, on there that, that you can buy. His online programs. So see, wherever you are around yep. the world, you can um, get involved in them. Just a little. Um, just tell us a little bit about them, Derek. Uh, sure. And 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 what's involved, etc. And just so the audience know. So with the the programs, what I did about a year ago is I got connected with a website in the United States, uh, a Colorado-based website called Train Heroic. And Train Heroic created a platform for coaches, and not just me, I mean for anybody. So it's like I use them, but it's not like I work for them or anything. I, you know, I think I pay them to use their service. So, But what they created was an app-based platform. And then they created a template in which I could go on and use their templates to create my workouts. Um, it's still a work in progress in some aspects, like there's certain things that are hard to write on their system just because there's so many variables, but it, it, the system keeps growing and updating. So if I go on there, I create my template workouts and they have all this like, uh, background data and information available that, you know, like if you click on an exercise cause you don't know what it is, they've already got a video loaded up as a demonstration. If I don't like their video, I can go find one on YouTube and replace it. Like, so it's a really interactive system. So I use their system to create my workouts. And then if you download it, so say a three month workout is only $33, right? Uh, you know, 20 pounds, not very much at all. Um, and then it will be sent to the app on your cell phone. And you just take it to the gym and you punch in your weights as you go. You do all that stuff. It'll track it all. Um, if you're diligent about that, it actually loads it up to a coach's page. And I can go through and look at all the different athletes um, that are using the app. And I can see how their workouts are going, what their compliance is. I get all this graph feedback. The athletes can also communicate with each other through the app. So there's a messenger board. So if people are talking about the training or comparing goals or comparing experiences, all that stuff's on there. So a lot of coaches were using it. I started using it for simplicity's sake because it was really hard to reach a lot of people any other way. Um, and so I just started doing some some program development with that website. And, and then I link them up on Ecobolic. Um, there's a new one that was just released yesterday. So it's a one-year program, very similar to how I used to train field-based athletes. Um, nine months are posted. The, the final three months will be posted here shortly. And then there's uh, three six-month programs on there. One is hypertrophy-based. That's been on that, uh, been out for about a year and a half. One is a workout geared towards the three-day-a-weeker um, called Cycle Circus, you know, just 
funny names. And then the last one is Savage 40, which was geared towards uh, an aging athlete. And so Ecobolic itself was a website that just popped into my head a year ago because I was starting to look for, you know, ways of explaining the very thing that we speak about now is how do you have a more holistic approach? Like how can what I've learned in the weight room or learned on the track or learned in training be applied to things like getting into the backcountry, into the mountains and hiking and, and, and existing and doing those things. How can I be a holistic system that also has a high performance mindset and high performance can be anything. It can be from a guy that is doing expeditions at 60 kilos of body weight to the top of Everest. That's just as hardcore as a guy that deadlifts 400 kilos in my mind. So I started to create I created a website where I could just start sort of directing some of these thoughts on occasion. And I'm, it's still a work in progress. By no means is it a big, huge website that's all sophisticated. But what had happened is over the last two years is I've, I've written 163 full-page text if I was to put it into a book. So 163 pages of text, I've done it on Instagram. And I didn't, I didn't realize it. So for people that didn't re, don't follow me on Instagram for the last three years, I've, I turned my Instagram cause I just don't really like social media in some regards. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do Instagram, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to put up an image that correlates to a thought. And then I'm going to write about something. It's either going to be a quote that I think is important from somebody that I've read. It's going to be a training idea that I have, or it's going to just be my own thoughts. And it's not all training if you've read it. And I, I know you have, but it's not all training. Some of it is just me talking about life, talking about travel, talking about experiences. So Ecobolic to me was just a manifestation or an, an idea that eventually I'll take a lot of those micro thoughts and put them somewhere where people can find them. And it's just representative of a more well-balanced holistic approach to why we lift weights in the first place or run or sprint or climb or do whatever. And it's because we are all a part of this ecological biological system. And for me, I'll always have a bit of a high intensity personality. It's just, it's, it's who I am. And that's where, you know, that bollock aspect comes from that desire for growth and change and progression and, you know, and trying to be a high level achiever in life, yeah. you know? Similar, yeah. No, worries. yeah. I, I see what, yeah, very similar in that aspect. And, and it's like everyone, I mean, I think as you get, I mean, even if you, I think you've become, um, following you for the last seven eight years you become a lot more holistic in your approach towards things. yeah almost like a, like a return to the roots like sports took me away from it um and a lot of people saw the end end of my sporting career as the start of social media really took off um but if i go back say to the late 90s early 2000s i was extremely holistic in my approach to training health and wellness and if I was to go back and say anything to my 18-year-old self is, you're on the right path. Don't allow coaches to deviate you from this. You don't need to be over 110 kilos ever as the sport that you're in love with. Um, you know, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. Stay away from these things. There's a lot of conversations I would have had. Um, 
you don't need to squat 320 kilos. doesn't matter how easily it comes. It's not something that you personally require to be a champion. So there was definitely some things that I would have said to myself um, that now I have to go back and correct because I've had seven surgeries on my lower body and I've had those experiences. So now I'm having to go back and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I used to be, you know, an elite level you know, backcountry skier, water skier, outdoorsman. I used to do those things and I didn't think about doing them. They were just things of my day. Now, you know, and I went through a period when I was at my peak coaching days at the Polycon group, man, I was like everybody else that was drinking Kool-Aid from that fountain. I was like, you know, F cardio, forget this. I'm just going to lift weights. It's all that matters, blah, blah, blah. It was just delusional thinking. It was, all I was doing during that phase of my life was allowing other people's bullshit excuses to give me an out yeah. from having to put in that extra 45 minutes on top of whatever else I had to do that day. It's marketing That's as all. well, right? It is, man. It's, it's marketing at its finest. Like, you know, listen, you, we know full well you don't have to do a shitload of cardio if you're a diet master to get ripped. Yeah. You, 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 you can, nutrition is always going to be your, your base level priority for getting super low body composition. I get it. I totally accept it. And I believed it because I didn't want to do cardio because I didn't want to have to do that extra work. Cause I was already so exhausted from the stress of, of my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, all of my health, negative health consequences that showed up while I was on the road lecturing 200 days a year, 100% of them were corrected with cardiovascular exercise. Yeah, amazing. And that's the part that people don't want to talk about, yeah. right? But that's that's how the body works. It's movement as well, right? It's movement. It's, it's movement. It's also, also, it can be great for your mind just to get out and yes. Like, even like just it can just it's like a, rather than that harsh moving mechanical thing. You're like it's just a rhythm, like a rhythm going get on yep. the road and running through the forest amongst nature, doing things like that. It's 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 once again it's the different. It's a different yin and yang. It's like just different ways of getting a result. It's making you well-rounded as a person rather than making you just very, very... Um, it's like specialists, yeah, you've probably hit before. They, they're, they're, like, they're people that know more and more about less and less until they know absolutely everything yeah. about nothing, right? So <laughs> That's rather exactly having, it. Rather than having... So I know, I know what you mean, and, and everyone would got into that thing, are oh, just eat... Um, eat high protein, low carb, don't have to do, but you know what, I enjoy playing sport, you know, I enjoy moving, yes. and, and and that's a huge part of it, and it's, uh, and I know, it's, as you said, it's health benefits, you need to have that, that little engine going, because even walking, you know, it, it's just something that can really, in nature, can get your, your mind right, uh, if you really yep. hate cardio to the point where you don't want to do it, you know what, if it's going to stress you out, don't do it, but, yeah, but you know, for all round health, um, as you said, that polyquin. It's interesting you say that because um, working for that polyquin group. I mean, I without going there, I would never have met you, Derek. So everything yep. for a reason, right? So and and it's all part of the journey. I mean, I went through absolutely. Through, yeah. yeah, I went through it very young, getting through a, a period of like being ill and stuff. I mean, you, um, everyone, it's it always. We're always growing, and it's something that I found a lot of people in the industry that went there was was at a certain path or spoken a certain way, 
as the years have gone on, a lot of them are coming towards this, and because they realise that, hmm, even though I keep getting told this, if I when I do it, right. it doesn't actually fucking work. Um, yeah. So when I change it, and I look at all these aspects, it's amazing how everything falls into place. Um, it I- is. It's um. It's funny how that is. There's nothing is ever as black and white as the industry wants it to be. And, and I truly believe that that black and white methodology that is used is 100% driven by a desire to create adversarial marketing. It's, um, that there's one thing that you can't deny. And that's the moment that people choose a side on a topic or choose a side in an endeavor and become impassioned about their side. Yeah. They will spend a tremendous amount more money to ensure that their belief system doesn't get changed. Politics. Politics. So even in the fitness world, you know, the the paleo against the keto, against the if it fits your macros, against the world, you know, every one of these groups, right, instead of looking for where they agree and health benefits of all the different systems – no, nope, they'd rather make adversarial yeah. claims because they know the moment they do that, people that sort of gravitate towards it. Like maybe, for example, someone chooses to eat a relatively ketogenic diet because it's easier mm-hmm. for them to stay uh, adherent to the system. Maybe it's that simple, right? Like emotionally, they they can't give themselves any leeway because they know they can't control themselves. Right. So you'll get like a lot of former power athletes that were bigger, fatter dudes that say were throwers like myself. Um, so a ketogenic diet for guys like us has a tendency to work because we have no concept of, of portion control hypothetically. Okay. So this is, this is a situation. So when people realize that they, they start to eat keto, and then when somebody challenges them to try something else, they have that almost like tribalism, emotional response, and it becomes adversarial, like, nah, F that. I'm not going to do that. That doesn't work. Only this works. So have well, you tried it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so congratulations. You now have just found another person that will buy your supplements, buy your books, buy your, buy your everything because they have to have it work. It has to be the best because now they're invested and and the fitness industry figured that shit out a long time ago. And the guys that are really good at making money, even the ones that people like, they always have a side and the ones they always have a side. And those unfortunately that maybe don't make as much money or have 700,000 followers it's because they have a tendency to be too much in the middle and too much open to the idea of finding what works best instead of finding what sells best. You know what, Derek? And I'll, be that, I'll be that guy as long as integrity is there because it's just yeah, in the, even, even, in, even in the health industry, you know, you get people like Asprey, Dave Asprey, you get other people that are just really vegan. It's like, guys, stop believing your own fear-based dogma like right. i've got someone who eats veg- i've got i've had clients come to me i'm vegan i'm vegan well how's it work, working for you well um my teeth are rotting my hair's falling out i've got bags under my eyes i've got a scrap of muscle i feel terrible well have you had tried a bit of right. meat oh, i can never do that we finally get to do it and everything starts to fall back into place you got other right. people who are eating far too much fat far too much meat not not good quality 
Um, you say, right, well, maybe you need to cleanse your body for a little while. Let's go vegan for a little while. See if you oh, I can never do that. They try yes. it. They feel phenomenal. You yep. are a study of one. You know, I don't yes. care how much, as you say, scientists that can pay to produce results or whatever else it is. We're not going into that, but just listen to yourself. As Derek said, I didn't need to squat 320 kg. You know what? If I um, if if I can't do, there's a training program out there called German Volume Training, which is like 10 to sure. 10. If I try and do that, the next day or two, I am completely wiped out. It does doesn't work for yeah. me, you know. Uh, and I learned that a long time ago. Listen to your body, guys. Um, listen to and when you get a headache after you've eaten something that's not a random response that, that's down to what your, your nutrition your sleep etc and like Derek said if you're training and you've trained a certain way I mean, if you're an advanced trainer if you're not an advanced trainer obviously everything's going to cause stress to you but just just take um, take ownership of stuff and, and, and realise mm-hmm. that even if your friend thinks it's great for them it might not be great for you um, true and um it's just it's just one of these things as you said when when people have got a side it's like that what the health documentary come out the other day um then if you if you see it on netflix did you did you see it what the health yeah and then i also saw the one where the doctors on social media breaks down the ludicrous statements that have sort of come out yeah yeah i i mean i'd say if i've got lots of lots of money and i've got a um an agenda i'm sure i could get my science to back whatever i wanted to put out for sure i can probably tell you that eating chocolate all day long is gonna make you leaner um because i'm gonna get the six or eight people that can eat chocolate and get leaner in the world you know it's one of those things so so just as 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 derek um has pointed out there it's it's everyone's got a side everyone's got the people who haven't got an agenda sometimes they're harder to find but once you find them listen yeah. to them listen to them and it's one of the things um, Derek where where are people obviously ecobolic if people want to get in touch with you people athletes out there anyone else who wants to to get in touch and, and work with you where's best to contact you you know the easiest way for me honestly is actually through Instagram okay. um, it's the one that like no matter where I am in the world the service never changes. So it's actually you know. contacted you as well, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, and I'm not like a guy that lives on it, but it's always, it's like, let me put it this way. I don't have so many followers that I miss messages. Sometimes it takes me a day to respond, but I don't miss them. Um, and it's something that if I'm in the Middle East or if I'm in the United States or Canada, it's consistent. And, and people because I'm not one of these guys that's just like blindly working with the masses. Yeah, I like to know what kind of person <laughs> is contacting me. Yeah, yeah. So if someone sends me a message and then I am able to look at their Instagram and they've got like one racial post, one post of a naked chick, one ridiculous post of being a bro in the gym. Yeah, I'm probably not going to respond. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's become an incredibly powerful vetting tool for for the weirdness, which is this world. Um, yeah, so and it's just easy. It's just my name. It's just Derek Woodsky Instagram. It's an open account. Uh, send me a direct message if you have a question you're trying to reach out to me. Um, if it's a crazy long question, I'm not going to answer it. I mean, nobody has time for bullshit. But if it's a legit question, and sometimes it's uh, uh, sometimes it's surprising what will catch my attention. What I'll probably do is I'll have you send me an email once I know that you're not a psychopath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised so. you answer my message in that case. But um, <laughs> uh, 
Derek, Derek uh, on Instagram. So it's Derek D E R E K and surname Woodski W zero O zero W O O D S K E. So guys, you want to follow me on there? Um, it's absolutely brilliant. And to be honest with you, Derek, I actually when I put the thing out because we haven't been in touch for the seven years, I was actually wondering, mm, would you want to come on the show because of I'm a little, bit, I'm very holistic at the moment. I know you didn't. You yep. Sometimes you're a little bit. Uh, you've put out posts in the past were a little bit mm, on on the sort of like digging out holistic back in the day um yep. and so i was a little bit worried but you know what it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and i'd love to if you stay on the line quickly while we just have, um, end sure. the show um guys david david whiskey www.ecobolic.com and head on over to instagram david whiskey get in contact with him there been an absolute pleasure talking to you derek and um yeah hang on the line there we'll end up the show so guys if you want to get in contact with him, that's what you got to do. Otherwise, I'll see you at the end. Um, sorry, see you on the other side. So, guys, that was episode 29 of the Revive Yourself podcast with Derek Woodski. I know it went on quite a long time, but we covered so much. I know I even tried to rush through some of my questions because I knew the time was getting on, but it was a really fun interview to do um, and talk to Derek. And I really want to get him back on the show and talk about kids um whether they should specialize or not when they're young um as well as a few other questions that we didn't touch on because i knew we were running out of time and i know he's a very busy man so i wanted to let him go but what a fun episode to do we covered so much when it comes um to conditioning to sport performance to athletic performance to um drugs in sports peds performance enhancing drugs crossfit i mean we covered a lot and so it was real good fun and as i said on the on the show if you want to follow derek then go over to instagram and follow him or, or go to ecobolic.com and you can see what he's all about there um so that's fantastic um really i mean i, I will say it but he, derek's one of the guys that if i was out and i come across him in america we'd go and grab a beer i know he's one of those guys you can just sit and chill with a lot of people can be very hard very smart but can be very hard socially um sometimes they're they're not so socially uh they're quite socially awkward we can put but derek's one of these guys that he um very easy to talk to and he's very knowledgeable so it's great to get him on the show so i hope you guys enjoyed that as much as i did so anyway next coming up guys we've got we've actually had to pull one of the interviews because one of the i guess i was going to get talking all about bioresidents and he's had a little bit of a brush with the law because they like to do this people that really help people they like to to take to to try and stop them from doing that because well you can work out that for yourself so um i'm gonna have to push up an interview with someone else and to an earlier date but that's not a problem i've got lots of guests uh, that we want to get on this show for you guys but um as always as i said before the show if you've been dealing with a chronic issue and you want to get over it whether it be a gut issue uh, fatigue thyroid issue adrenal problem um, whether it be skin issue then we've got our free four day mini course that people are really loving um, and you can head over to www.reviveyourself.co it should be on our homepage and if it's not there yet because it's our website is getting a little update then hit me up at ryan at reviveyourself.co and send me an email and I'll send you all the links you need for that um, otherwise follow us on Instagram guys at revive underscore yourself and on Facebook forward slash revive natural health 
So, guys, that's episode 29. I hope you're well. Um, as always, please leave a review for us on, on iTunes. Uh, I'm going to start setting up, something up for that. Five-star reviews on iTunes would be great. It gets our message out to more people, and the more people we can help, the better. Um, because this is information is invaluable. I know I've had lots of messages through saying how much they're enjoying the, the podcast and and how much it's helped them. So keep keep sharing it, guys. Like, share, tag your family in it, um, and leave reviews for us so we can get it out to more and more people because the more, we, more people we can help, well, then just the better, right? Um, so much negativity in this world, so much going on all the time, just trying to draw you into a negative state of mind that... Let's be some positive energy. Let's be some positive light so we can really start to help people out. Yeah. You know our fellow friends and family as well as our fellow fellow human humans on this planet. Even people you don't know, you know. Just it could be a good deed for the day. So anyway guys, that's episode twenty nine. I hope you enjoyed it. Um and I'll see you for episode thirty next week. Okay guys. Stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll speak to you soon. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.